As we near the final third of the regular season, the Texas Rangers front office has shoved. Meanwhile, Houston's front office is down to their last few chips and hoping to catch a familiar ace on the river. We'll talk about it next on episode 34 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cultures. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. Follow him on Twitter at Palillo and read his weekly column on sportsmap.com. Alongside him is sportsmap.com editor Josh Jordan. Follow him on the platform that was formerly called Twitter at Josh Jordan 975. Be sure to hit like on this video. Subscribe on the channel if you haven't already. The full version of this podcast is available in audio form right now at places like Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your pods. And when you're not watching or listening to SportsMap, be sure to listen to our sister platform. Platform ESP 97.5 and 92.5 FM on your radio dial. Charlie, it's episode 34. Uh, we like to shout out our players with those corresponding numbers. Hey, it's Houston, baby. So there's a lot of 34s that are known for here. Earl Campbell, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Alvin's own uh, Nolan Ryan. I think I know where you're going. Uh, Cesar Geronimo, right? <laughs> well, Nolan, of course, as revered and an athlete as this city or maybe any other city uh, has, uh, has had. Um, seven no-hitters, all the one-hitters, all the strikeouts. You know, Nolan Ryan holds the all-time walks issued record by a greater percentage than he holds the all-time strikeouts issue. Uh, but I will go Cesar Geronimo, who was with the Astros for three years and then was part of the ill-fated Joe Morgan trade with the Reds. And Geronimo became a four-time Gold Glove winning center fielder and a mainstay on those big red machine teams of the 70s. Well, shout-out to the Chief. Uh, let's guys, we got to get right into it. A lot of big news, uh, big trades, uh, from over the weekend, Texas making moves like we teased in the open Rangers trade for Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery. That's in addition to, uh, all the trade they already made in Aroldis Chapman. Uh, they are not, they're supposedly not done. Uh, do the, does the moves that the Texas Rangers have made make them favorite, not just in the division, but, and maybe in the AL at large. I don't think they're the clear favorite in the entire American League with the the Rays and Orioles to be accounted for. And let's see what the Astros can do to upgrade and if they have lineup stability now with health and Fromber gets back on the beam and so forth. But uh, to follow your poker lead, I mean, the Rangers are playing uh, no limit uh, with what they are going after. And because their farm system is tremendous, the Astros farm system is terrible in the pool of 30 major league franchises, the Rangers have been able to be uber aggressive, reel in some serious fish and not gut their farm system in the process. You know, in getting Scherzer, they gave up one of their top five prospects. They didn't give up any of their top 10 prospects in netting Montgomery and the relief pitcher Stratton from the Cardinals. So, you know, there are the circles of life and the cycles of life as the Astros built this dynasty. You know, it was on the back of a number of lousy years and high draft choices and cultivating a terrific farm system. Well, here we are now in the midst of this Astros dynasty. The Rangers have been garbage for the last six years. And over that time, they built up their farm system. And so the Rangers have six, seven prospects still better than any single prospect in the Astros system. Maybe someday we look back at Drew Gilbert's better than all of them. But in terms of asset value, commodities you can package to trade, the Astros can get only blown away by the Rangers right now. It assures nothing. We see how Scherzer and Montgomery pitch. 
but it nets out. The Rangers are the favorite over the Astros unless there's an Astro Thunderbolt by 5 p.m. Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, the Astros are, are feeling the hit from the punishment from the sign-stealing scandal where they don't have these extra extra picks to to include in these trade packages. You know, player development doesn't help the Astros in this circumstance. It's just however these guys are ranked, according to most of the experts across the league. So they're in a, they're in a tricky position. I, I like what the Rangers did for them. They needed pitching. They needed it bad. 17th in team ERA in the majors. You know, Astros are, are much better. You know, obviously they have been most of the year. They're fifth right now. So that helps them for sure. You know, we'll see with the Valdi if he's done for the year or, or if he's going to come back. But they got what they needed. The Astros also got what they needed. I love the Kendall Graveman addition. They needed some bullpen help. We all know that. He's under control for another season. So when you see the Naris, Stanek, Maton, possibly one of them walk, you're still going to have Graveman to go with Presley and Abreu. So I like that move. It's only eight million bucks. So, you know, it's not going to kill you next year with the salary cap. So we'll see. I would like to see the Astros go after some pitching, but the Rangers, man, they're going all in. It's going to be a battle till the end of the season. If no further moves were made after Sunday afternoon, the Astros could still win the, the American League West. It's not like you spit the bit, fold, concede, anything like that. You start the new week within one game of them. The Astros win one of the three games in the remaining Astros Rangers series up in Arlington, just starting Labor Day. The Astros win the season series and the tiebreaker should have come down to that. But when you look top to bottom and with the Astros, particularly in the starting rotation with a bunch of question marks, uh, the Rangers, I think you net it out. Josh mentioned Ivaldi. It's going to be no surprise. It's a forearm thing. He's had two Tommy Johns. That Nathan Ivaldi, who's a top three Cy Young guy to this point in the season, that he's done. But I think Scherzer's healthy, pitches to relative expectation, not five years ago, Mad Max, but just a good starter. Jordan Montgomery's been good for multiple years and his playoff race tested both as a Yankee and as a Cardinal. I think for the Rangers, Scherzer and Montgomery, that tandem having them both is better without Ivaldi than having Ivaldi and not having added two other guys. Uh, to their rotation. And the other big question with the Rangers now is their catcher, Jonah Heim. Best catcher in the American League this year. You might argue for Adley Rutschman, but you add it all up. It's advantage Heim. Brings thump. And the, the analytics stuff, by far the best pitch framer in the majors this season. Stealing strikes on pitches that are actually out of the strike zone. That could be a big, big blow to that Rangers pitching staff. Heim injured his wrist on a swing against a Fromber curveball here last week. If that turns out to be a season-ending type thing, or even four to six weeks as opposed to just two or three weeks, huge blow for the Rangers. So do they throw in pursuing another catcher by 5 p.m. our time Tuesday? If Rangers get Evaldi back, though, that rotation does look scary. And speaking of Graveman, I've seen some debate on whether the Astros overpaid for Kendall Grayman. And so, yes, Corey Lee was their fifth best prospect in the Astros farm system, but it's a depleted farm system. And the truth is, Corey Lee got leapfrogged in the depth chart by a single A player fairly quickly. So if your argument is the Astros should pass on Graveman to hold their future backup catcher, I think that's silly. Um, and so after the Scherzer deal happened, the room reel got swirling about how Houston was looking to counterpunch with, you know, with the Justin Verlander move. The hangup seemed to be that, you know, from multiple sources that that vesting option, that third year was, was, was the, was the hangup there. And then Dana Brown starts changing his tune publicly to Houston's no longer in the market for a starting pitcher. 
And so I've seen a lot of speculation online and some conjecture of whether this is posturing on Dana Brown's part. So my question is to whom? Like, do you guys think, you know, uh, you know, Dusty, I know Dusty and Dana said, well, Arkady's come back, so we're okay. I don't think anyone's buying that. So is, is Dana posturing or is he hedging expectations because they may not be able to bring in a Justin Verlander? I think he's feeling his way along a little bit first time in the saddle as a general manager as the trade deadline approaches and he's aware of the moves that the Rangers have made and that a whole bunch of other teams are going to make. But uh, again, tied into poker, he's playing such a short stack in terms of prospects that he could try to package for a trade, right? The Verlander situation is unique. If Verlander says, I'll only go to the Astros and he waves that no trade clause to go to the Dodgers, uh, you know, then the Mets decide how much are we willing to pay down for what package of prospects the Astros can put together, which pales into comparison to what a whole bunch of other teams would offer for Verlander. But if Verlander plays poker himself and says, nope, I'll only go to the Astros. So you have a lot of variables here. I like that Dana Brown has been generally forthright and forthcoming and open from publicly saying, hey, Dusty, uh, why aren't you playing Yiner more? Uh, to <laughs> other moves along the way, other than injuries, because the Astros just their DNA is to futz around and discussing the true status of, of injured players. So maybe Dana, as we get down to trade deadline time, and, and he's sweating a little bit because he hasn't been able to make that huge move, he's realizing that part of a general manager's gig is to speak with forked tongue. And like the old boxing promoter Bob Arum once said, oh, the other day I was lying. Now I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Well, I think Dana's smart not to get people's hopes up, especially in the case of Verlander, because as you said, it sounds like that third year vesting option is what's holding it up. And what is that? That's money, money that Jim Crane probably doesn't want to spend. You don't want to make your owner look bad that he doesn't want to pay the money for that deal. And then if we look at this season, too, why are they kind of in this trouble? Uh, they signed an older guy in Abreu. That didn't work out, at least so far. They gave Michael Brantley that money, an older guy with injury issues. And you look at Verlander. What's Verlander? <laughs> He's an older guy, you know, a year or two off Tommy John surgery. So I, I get it. You know, there, there, there is some stuff to be concerned about there. I would like to see them go do the deal. But if they don't, please go get another starting pitcher. I, I, before I've mentioned Michael Lorenzen. I mentioned Jordan Montgomery last week as somebody. But now the Rangers have already taken him off the board. But I feel like they got to get another arm. I, I don't think Belak's that guy. You know, you saw in that Rays game, that game was over in the first inning, at least as far as I was concerned. I know there were some errors and it wasn't all his fault and he pitched better, but I, I don't trust him going forward. He's just, he's not a guy that I think can really get it done in high leverage, important games as the season comes to a close. Belak should not make another start. Ideally, the starter you acquire, unless he pitched. Monday or Tuesday, he should be making that start at the Yankees on Friday. Brandon Belak's been extremely fortunate to have his ERA below four. You know, part of pitching is working around an error here or there. And, you know, you have an error, a Bray with a terrible error uh, over the weekend, but then you give up a hit and a three-run homer. They can have all the unearned runs, but it's still a failure uh, on the pitcher's part. Uh, but to tie it up on Dana Brown, you know, if because the Astros farm system is terrible. You know, relative to the other 29 franchise at this point, he just does not have the weapons in his arsenal to package to go get a real impact guy. That's one thing. But if he was telling the truth that the Astros are, ah, we're out of the market now for a starting pitcher, that's just silly because you don't play a pat hand when it does not appear to be strong enough. If it's tempering expectations, we're kind of admitting we just don't have enough to go to make a trade. 
Uh, but if you are not looking, shopping the, you know, the B tier guys, then that would be a failure on Dana Brown's part. So guys, uh, Dusty's kind of getting fed up with some of the questions that are being asked to him uh, regarding his lineup and his usage of Yiner Diaz and Martin Maldonado. Media was actually talking about, uh, was asking him about maybe carrying a third catcher and kind of Yiner's usage. Uh, Dusty Baker seemed to get a little testy and it basically capped off with him saying he doesn't need any help uh, making out uh, the lineups or setting his lineups or managing the team. Uh, the, the results might dictate otherwise. Uh, what do you think about Dusty and his sort of agitation, if not friction, about his kind of usage of certain guys, specifically uh, when it comes to that Yiner and Maldi dynamic? Oh, we're venturing into theater of the absurd territory. Uh, anyone know three-car garage, four-car garage, whatever Dusty has? Does he park a Grand Torino in, in one of those spots? Um, as always, nobody likes being told what to do. Certainly not a 74-year-old, hey, I won the last World Series, uh, a manager. But Dusty, 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 in making the point that, well, Yiner Diaz has really been lousy against left-handed pitching. Okay, 55 at-bats Yiner has had against left-handed pitching. So you're going to pass your judgment that, whoa, Yiner's not very good. It's, then platoon him. Then he should start against every right-handed pitcher against which Maldonado starts the week with a 489 OPS. And if you're going to gurgle about how Maldonado's been so much better than Diaz against lefties, Maldonado has 52 at-bats against lefties. So you're going to sing Maldi's praises on 52 at-bats. You're going to bury Diaz on, on 55 at-bats. Um, it's just ridiculous. At bare minimum, Diaz should start against every righty now. We'll, we'll throw in with Dusty and make it a straight platoon because you see more right-handed pitching. That would mean 60, 65% starts for Yiner. And the element to this that really continues to agitate me is the catching component of this. Maldonado is not a good defensive catcher anymore. Right. Sorry. The Astros pitchers earned run average with Maldi or Moldy, if you want to get snarky, <laughs> it's over four with Yiner Diaz going into the Cleveland series, 341, throwing out opposition base dealers. I get it. Anytime he throws one out every three weeks or so, whoa, machete. Well, overwhelming of the time, uh, percentage of the time, butter knife. You're not throwing out 20%. Yiner's throwing out over 30%. Past balls. Maldi leads the major leagues. Yiner still doesn't have one. And then you add in the offensive component that Maldonado still continues to start 70% of the time on this specific issue. It's just idiotic. It is. I, Brandon and I were texting during the game the other night when they had that huge offensive explosion. And, you know, we were talking about, man, if Yiner's your everyday catcher and the way Chaz is hitting, by the way, Chaz, second best OPS on the team behind Jordan, he continues to mash. This could remind us of the 2017 lineup with how deep it is if Yiner is your catcher. And, but it doesn't seem like they're going to do that. The other thing, Hunter Brown. Oh, look, Yiner caught for him. He looks like Hunter Brown again. Funny how that works. So there is something to the, the defensive element as well. Christian Javier, on just a side note, starting to look like Christian Javier. So there are some positive signs for the Astros. But, I mean, Dusty is just 
he wouldn't get all these questions if he didn't make decisions that just made people go, what, what are you talking about? You know, what he was talking about, how outside of batting average and not talking just against lefties, just outside of batting average that Maldi and Diaz are, are pretty much the same. Yiner's slugging is 507, his OPS is 789. Maldi's is 302 slugging and a 541 OPS. That, that's not pretty much the same. That's not even close. I mean, there was one stat that I saw expected slugging percentage. The top guys in the league this year, they showed the top 10. Yiner's at eighth, and they showed everybody else in the top 10. It's all all-stars. And, you know, Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge, and I mean, the best players in baseball, Mookie Betts and Jordan, and there's Yiner in there. And then they... In the little comment section on this tweet, they put what that person has accomplished. And the next to Yiners, it just says backup catcher. That, that that's what he is. So I don't know what what Dusty's deal is. You know, he went on that, that little monologue about how we're so quick to move on and move on to new things, and you know we do that too soon, and we got to remember who's still the man. I mean, that sounds like personal and bitter. This is like angry pop pop, angry pop pop Dusty right now. So I don't know, man. I. But is it anything going to change? I don't think Dana Brown's going to do anything. And maybe he comes out and says Yiner needs to play more once again. But that's probably the only card he can play. Well, and it's tough for the the everyday media. You know, you don't want to be on Dusty's you know what list. You want to have a functional working relationship. Um, so you're not going to say to Dusty, "Hey, don't try to explain calculus to me when you seem to struggle with fractions." Uh, in assessing Diaz versus Maldonado, right? If you're going to have a combative, no holds barred, I don't care if he doesn't talk to, to me ever again, you'd say, so what exactly about uh, uh, mystical Maldi behind the plate has you bamboozled? Explain to me why the ERA with the pitchers is much lower with Diaz behind the plate. And Maldonado, by the pitch framing stats, is one of the worst in baseball. Yiner's not good at that either, but he's better than Maldi. Throwing out opposition base dealers, the past ball numbers, uh, Maldonado's throws are as likely to bounce to second as they are to get to second. You know, that Yiner emailed one in the right center field the other day. That's going to happen every once in a while. But the totality of it, that Martin Maldonado is still their primary catcher, it's just so silly. Well, and when he was asked about Diaz, he said, you know, he's the future it's just that you have to prepare him in the present. You don't want to overwhelm him, but he's learning from Maldi, and Maldi's still the guy. So basically, this is good news for Astros opponents who are basically being uh, awarded uh, an automatic out every ninth batter. And while Jeremy Pena gets plugged back into the second hole and starting to you know, produce again, this is just fixing something that didn't have to be broken to begin with. Dusty's the one who kept moving him around when the statistics showed outright that he was better in the second hole. And maybe he wouldn't be as good with Jordan out because he didn't have Jordan to protect it. But Tucker's been pretty darn good uh, in, in the absence. You've, you've messed with things that weren't broken. And so putting them back, and now that Jeremy seems to be kind of finding his way back out of it again, like it's it's just hard to give credit for Dusty to for fixing something that he's the person who broke. And I will never root against the Astros. And if keeping Dusty Baker means the Astros will win yet another World Series, great, cool, I'm all for it. But also, if the Astros don't close the deal this season, my consolation will be that the Astros will finally move on from Dusty Baker and and also by extension Martin Maldonado. And that's in no way taking away from their accomplishments or my appreciation of those compliments, specifically as they pertain to Houston. But everything runs its course. And I feel like Dusty's comments 
are uh, kind of in fear of, of, you know, his plight, you know, it's like, don't, you don't want to move on from something too early. Maybe, you know, he felt like he was in the same position, like that major, maybe major league baseball had moved on from him too early. Uh, and so maybe he's very protective of, of Martin Maldonado and the sun setting on his career, but everything does run its course and you can't hold on to the past for nostalgia. Nostalgia does not win championships. Production does. And, uh, while that may sound like I'm disloyal to the players, I'm more loyal to production and results. And so uh, it would be nice to to see the, the team also err on that side as well. At the risk of you getting a little upset, you better hope the trade of Corey lead us and set up Yiner as the regular and Maldonado's back as the mentor reserve next season. That would be terrifying. Quickly, I did want to hit on one thing. At least thing. Vasquez has been brutally bad for the Twins this year. There is that. Yes. Yes, he has. And I, I wanted to bring up Chandler Rome's point. Like, what about Yiner maybe playing first base once a week? You know, because Abreu, I, I still think, is in the bottom 15 of OPS in all of baseball. And we've seen the defense hasn't been that great either with Abreu lately. So just very to get nice Yiner in the lineup. There, Josh, very nicely put, the defense hasn't been very good from Abreu. <laughs> You're nicer than me. That was very politically correct. You're nicer than me. Yeah, I, I try to keep it nice. But I'd like to see a little more of that. If You know, if Yiner's not as good as a DH, he's better playing defense, whether it's first base or catcher. And Abreu's an older player. Charlie's been hitting on this all year. Get this guy a little bit of rest. Like we saw with Yuli last year, he was better when he got a little more rest, especially when the postseason came around. It, it's not a shot at Abreu that you just want him to, to be at his best when he is in the lineup. Look, Abreu sat up in the coffin in June and put together an 800 <laughs> OPS for a stretch. Last 20 games through the Ray series, OPS 703. So a bad player the last three weeks, but in the lineup every day. If he was 27 years old, you'd justify a day off uh, uh, here or there for an OPS of 700 from an offensive position at first base. Right, the couple times where he did spurt, you know, out of the All Star break after several days off, uh, Dusty gave him the three days off, and he hit a few, uh, a couple home runs in, in the series after that. Um, so uh, Dusty's just too darn stubborn for his own good. I guess you earn the privilege at his age, at his tenure. It's not like his job is at risk within within this season, but tactically, Dusty has never been a highly regarded manager, and we're going to continue to see some of that. Well, the guy who's going to have to decide uh, who fills that role when Dusty's no longer the manager is current Astros general manager, Dana Brown. And so I want to talk about kind of the big shoes that Dana Brown has to fill because we saw a tweet uh, this weekend from Jay Kuda. Am I yep. right on that? Correct. Jay Kuda uh, listed all 30 teams and over the past 10 years, the highest percentage of prospects to make the majors. Astros, number one at 23%. So Dana Brown, some gigantic shoes to fill. He also uh, a little bit behind the eight ball because kind of comes into a situation where the the Astros are on the back end of, of this championship window in which they have leveraged a lot of high-end prospects to make big trades to this point. So their farm system is depleted. They're at a point in their existence where they're trying to extend a window, which means Dana Brown's having to play this game of, do I deplete the last of our assets to be able to you know, go for it and compete from a year to year basis, or, you know, I have to look big picture and, you know, what am I doing for the long-term health of the, the ball club? 
how much is Dana Brown now behind the eight ball, just specifically from what the moves that were made in which the Astros did not have a general manager over the, this offseason, in which now they're going back and trying to trade for guys in which they've let walk? Well, a five-year contract is a, is a good thing. And where Dana Brown made his bones as a, as a number two or a personnel guy was in helping draft and, and player development. And that's the most important part of the job as he took the job with the Astros, with the farm system having largely been gutted over the last few years, a number of factors, success in picking low, some mistakes, some trading of prospects to acquire major league talent, the lost picks because of the the punishment from the from the cheating, um, and you know Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither are farm systems. Right? It took the Astros several years lying in the gutter to build what became this dynasty. And it's a very interesting stat: ten years that they produced the most major league talent. When in the last few years they've been picking low, they didn't have picks. But there are layers that we probably don't know how they peel. By 10 years, you're going back to 2013, 2014, when the Astros were garbage. And if you could walk and chew gum at the same time, you could get promoted to the major league team because they had to run a team out there. And and then all their high draft picks and and others that they supplemented. So, you know, what the devil's in the details, I think, sometimes on on stats like that. Um, You know, the Texas Rangers, 2017 through 2022, a big pile of poop. Well, over that time, high draft picks, building up their farm system, trading away guys for more minor league capital. And now the Rangers have a premium farm system, which has enabled them to be so aggressive over the last month and seemingly has them set up better than any other American League West team, the Astros included, over the next, say, five years or so. Um, so, you know, it's a very short attention span world. And, you know, it's tough to be the man following the man. And even though there was click in between Luno and Dana Brown, I think the memories of Jeff Luno and all he accomplished here are still vivid for so many Astros fans. And in the what have you done for me lately world, anything shy of the World Series is going to feel like a failure. And who's the guy in charge? Dana Brown. But you can't pass some sort of judgment or grade on what kind of general manager he is or is going to be off the first year when he got the job in January after most of the offseason transacting was done and with a farm system that left him really very little to to take to the table to try to make moves within the season. Yeah, I think I like the the Kendall Graveman move. That's the first thing I guess we can kind of judge Dana Brown on. This is his first trade in season. And I don't think they gave up too much. They needed Kendall Graveman. He's a great player. And it also tells me something maybe about team philosophy. Graveman, high velo guy, high spin rate guy. I was wondering if the team might depart away from some of those advanced analytics when, you know, we had Jeff Bagwell and Reggie Jackson, you know, giving advice to Jim Crane before the season started. So maybe Dana Brown is more uh, of a traditional new age baseball man that that appreciates the, the analytics, spin rate high velo, stuff like that. And of course, with Grayman, you also get experience in, in chemistry with the team since he knows all those guys. So that might have factored in and what was on the table for him, too. That's We don't know what they asked for and then what they're actually able to get. That's just something we can only speculate on. But what we do know is Graveman's one of those spin rate darlings. I'm glad to see Dana Brown investing in that again. I mean, you could make the argument about Montero kind of being one of those guys, too. It's not perfect, but hopefully it's more back to what the Astros were under Luno, under Click, not not with Bagwell and Reggie Jackson giving you the eye test and old scouting. Maybe a blend of that, but don't mess with what's been working you know, for the last seven years. And to use giving up Corey Lee for Graven as an illustration of the state of the Astros farm system, 
Right. The White Sox farm system is also considered in the bottom half dozen or so in Major League Baseball. Now, it'll move up after they've already traded away five pitchers with more moves to be made by the deadline. Uh, but the Astros basically just behind the White Sox. Well, Corey Lee was the Astros' fifth best prospect. Well, in a lousy farm system, MLB Pipeline slighted Corey, uh, slotted Corey Lee as the White Sox' 13th best prospect. So one man's trash is another man's treasure. Um, you know, the Rangers able to add all that they've added, giving up only one of their top 10 prospects because the Rangers farm system had seven, eight guys all considered better prospects than the Astros number one prospect, Drew Gilbert. So it's just a cycle where the Astros are in, where they're going to have to rebuild and fortify and draft well and internationally scout well. But the truth is, at this point, their farm system is one of the worst. And when it comes time to wheeling and dealing, you pay a price for that at the major league level. And I, I guess I do want to push back a little bit on Charlie's point about the the kind of state of the team dictating that maybe you call it more prospects because you have to feel the team. If we look at the list from Jay Kuda, number 29 on this list is the Athletics, who are historically bad team, have been historically bad over the, the past 10 years. Only 11% of their homegrown talent has made it to the major leagues. And on the flip side of that, the Astros have had homegrown talent that have gone on to get major contracts. You can't hold on to them because they're so valuable and they go, you know, get signed for big money to other teams. I think one of the funny points of that is uh, Josh pointed out uh, before we were recording here, the Mets being dead last. I mean, that's why you have to pay half a billion dollars to feel the team is when you're only 9% of the people you're drafting make it up to uh, the major league level. Not just counting people that they've drafted, but the Astros have been able to take guys like Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton, kind of help these guys not build from nothing, but just kind of elevate their game. And then those guys go on to make a lot of money because of their exploits here. So it just really goes to show what the Astros have been able to accomplish. And Charlie, I'm with you. I think Dana Brown's in a pretty unenviable situation from a standpoint of you're inheriting a winner and people are going to expect results right now. From the the onset, it looked like, hey, I'm, I'm inheriting a roster that just won a World Series. It looked easy. But then you have all these devastating injuries that happened. Uh, and then besides the injuries, you're having guys that are underperforming. So there's a lot of a, a lot of things at play here that Dana Brown's probably going to take some some flack for that's probably unearned. you got to give this guy time. I, I envy the salary, but I don't envy the pressure that is on Dana Brown right now. And that's going to be it for Stone Cold Strohs. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Charlie, Josh, and I will catch you next week. Uh, but you don't have to wait that long to get your sports fix. All you have to do is subscribe to Sports Map Houston on YouTube. John Granado, Lance Zerline sometimes. And Josh Jordan will have you covered there. And remember, it's ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 FM. They have you covered on the radio dial. Thanks for Jack for producing. And thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, Ghost Rose. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so.